the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, folks. <laughs> Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, well that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits <coughs> includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Tom and all. And last good morning, but- Henry. And last but not least, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson joins the roundtable. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. And we always start with a few uh, a few quotes, and the, the first one, of course, is the finish the quote, where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? Preservation of one's own culture does not require what? Mm, destroying somebody else's. <laughs> good that's, one, Paul. That's actually that's actually pretty good. That's pretty close to the original quote. The original quote is preservation of one's own culture does not require contempt or disrespect for other cultures. Hmm. Yeah. Was yeah. that Joe Biden? No. That was Cesar Chavez. 
Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Which I, I, oh, Cinco de Mayo, yes. Well, yeah, it's, good, it's, good it's, choice. It's my only hand, hat tip to uh, Cinco de Mayo. Now we did <laughs> we did a Star Wars day yesterday, but uh, today yeah. we're we're back to uh, back to the normal. But I thought at least a little nod to Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, and uh, very you know, good Mexican Liberation Day, right? Yeah, let the uh, well. It actually is. Um, uh, it's actually a fairly modest battle. I, 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 yeah, I the, was surprised the battle to learn of Pueblo. Yeah, and, yeah. It and was, it was a, a, it's from 1863. It was a huh, turning. Yeah. It was a turning point, but not yes. actual Mexican independence. Do you know what else happened in 1863? Uh, the liberating of the slaves by Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that same there you year. go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and that was too, wasn't it? That same year. That was no, in Jan- yeah. that was in January. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, January was there, but Gettysburg was there, yeah. and so was Vicksburg, yeah. I believe, in terms yeah. of the Civil War. Yeah, mm-hmm. you guys are so smart. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I doubt it. It, it helped. Twenty years ago today, I moved out of my first marriage. <laughs> is, that, is that the Jan Liberation Day? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I moved to Sylvester Manor. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was that's kind of a cool place. Um, but but let's move on. Uh, a couple of quotes of the week, and and I'll start with this one: asking will these tax increases hurt the economy is not the right question. Joe Biden, close? Mm. No. Mm. Well, sort of, um, sort of close, Henry. Uh, Joe Joe Manchin. No, it was Treasury yeah. Secretary Janet Yellen. She, oh, right, right. oh, she, she told, comes up with such great ones. Yeah, she told CNN the right question is, is trading higher taxes on high-income taxpayers for middle-class tax cuts and major economic investments pro-growth? Uh-huh. And the answer to that question is a resounding yes, according to Secretary Yellen. Um is she correct? Is that the right question? And is the answer yes? Well, She's I'm not an expert. Uh, trickle down certainly hasn't worked. Yeah, that's true. And 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 those those tax increases only restore what had been there for a very long time, anyhow. Right. Yes. In well, fact, actually, they're low. They're lower than they used to be. If you go back three or four decades. They're still lower. The corporate rates and the uh, high income rates are still lower than they were back in the 50s and the 60s and, and in that era. But don't you have to really look at how things have changed around us to determine whether that's fair or appropriate or right? Because things around us encourage us to change. We must change. We cannot set in one place based upon how the rest of the world changes. I know that. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, if you, trickle down economics always looks good on paper. But the problem is in real life, if you compare trickle down economics to, say, a, um, uh, an irrigation system, it doesn't do any good if people are hoarding the water at the front of the chain. And if you if you take a look at the the comparison of executive pay to average worker pay compared to was what it was thirty or forty years ago, yeah, not much tri- change. not much trickling down there. 
That's okay. right. That's right. And I don't like the word trickle down. It looks like we're putting some people at the base. It sounds ugly to me. I don't use the word. And it sounds worse so, than that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <Okay. laughs> All right. I don't use that. I, I agree with you, Henry. It, it is a poor uh, choice of her turn of phrase. Um, but here's here's one, and, and the answer to this one is not everybody said it. Um, the quote is, uh, we are ready for stores to open, for businesses to open, offices, theaters, full strength. Mm. Oh, Cuomo. Yes. Is it Cuomo? Did, did Whitmer say that? Nope, nope. Uh, no, it was Whitmer. Jan is close. It it wasn't the governor. It was New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. Oh. And he's targeting, oh, yeah, he's targeting July 1st for New York City's full reopening, <laughs> telling MSNBC's Morning Joe, we're ready to come back and come back strong. That will likely include full-strength indoor dining, he added. <laughs> Based on the progress that we've made in this city, uh, de Blasio cited fewer hospitalizations, a climbing vaccination rate, and walk-in vaccine availability around the city as the reasons behind the optimistic reopening strategy. But I think you're probably right. Everybody has said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think everybody's ready uh, yeah, for yeah. those things to happen. But But let me ask this. If they can make it there, can we make it anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to borrow yeah. The, a line from a song. Yeah, the old Frank Sinatra song. <laughs> de Blasio reminds me of another president, uh, great president, John F. Kennedy, when he said that we shall go to the moon with that determination, with that positive attitude, with that certainty. Set a goal and, and meet confidence. it. Yeah. And we know it because it is confident. That yeah. he said as it is yeah. hard. <laughs> yes. But de Blasio, he, in this, in this sense where we're having all kind of uh, negative publicity and arguments and uh, killing and the virus and all of that stuff, this guy came out with a positive statement that could not be misunderstood. Yeah. That's what's great about that. I don't remember whether de Blasio is a Republican or Democrat, but whatever it is, is where he is. He's good. He's a Democrat. Yeah. Is he? <clears throat> yes. Well, I'm I'm still holding uh Joe Biden to um having uh you know, my being able to have a cookout with family and friends on the fourth of July. I'm I'm holding Joe No, Biden yeah. To... <laughs> so is that gonna yeah, well, happen or not? Well if if people get to get the vaccine we could be on target if people actually start showing up and we're getting more and more People who are holding back from getting the vaccine, which is a little worrisome, but we are on track for that day that and things I'm, stand. And I'm a little troubled by something <clears throat> that uh, Anthony Fauci said recently, um, talking about herd immunity. And for months, I've been thinking that 70% roughly was considered herd immunity or would be good right. enough to be considered yes. herd immunity. And Fauci, just within the last week, said between 70 and 85 percent. Yeah, I heard uh, those numbers too. I not, <clears throat> and not only is that an awful large spread, but, you know, bumping it up makes it, you know, it, it just makes it seem like it's going to take longer to get there. Yeah. 
We even do. Pressing. When some polls well, say I mean, that 25% of the people don't want to get the vaccine. I mean, that's yes. one yeah. common idea at, here. Yeah. <clears throat> that information is clashing with other information. It doesn't look good. And it's yeah. not probable when you have information clashing. Information should uh, add to the wave effect. It should, re- it should yeah. induce, induce much higher waves. <clears throat> and that's um, I think... Everybody's so tired of being told one thing and then another, and uh, and I feel like they don't. There's so much that they don't know that yes. you know that the experts even are learning as we go here. It's, uh, I mean, I think it's understandable, but um, it's it's exasperating if you've for everybody that's gone through what we've gone through the last year, isn't it? Well, yeah. I've set uh, you know a, a couple of goals in my own mind based on things people have said. I am. I, I am planning to hold the president to the July 4th cookout. But for me personally, and I've had both shots of the vaccine, um, yeah. not unusual for me to do a double, but um, <laughs> but the um, but I'm holding to that 70 percent. I you know, yeah. I will continue to mask in public. Until we hit that seventy percent mark, and and uh, then yeah. you know, the masks go away, and and you know I'll start going back to normal. Although, after a year and a half in quarantine, <laughs> normal feels like yeah, sitting normal. around the house eating deviled eggs and binge watching Netflix. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure what normal is anymore. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, well, one one thing I'm I'm really hoping for, and and I hope that you all will uh, participate with me. That that you know, perhaps if if July starts to be a breaking point <laughs> during the month of of July or sometime soon after that, um, I want to start having armchair politics um, in person in various locations. I mean, if we and probably restaurants back- because I I would like to see, you know, if we can do anything to put some butts in chairs, I I would like to do that. Yeah, I mean, if all four of us are double vaxxed, uh, couldn't couldn't all four of us be together in one place and no problem? I th- I think yes, so. according to the law, according to the present practice, the guidelines. So I mean, yes. I think we're there, aren't we, on that? Yes, I am fully vaccinated. I'm, I'm there. I mean, I. Well, then I think maybe we can start the first one on my deck right after the Fourth of July. Um, but, but I'll let I'll you like know about that. And, and one other uh, program <clears throat> note on June sixteenth, and and Paul and Henry, mark your mark your calendars. Uh, we will not be doing a live edition of Armchair Politics. Mm. On June 16th. Yep. Yep. Wednesday, June 16th. Um, I'm playing a repeat that day, part of a series of pre recorded and repeat shows. I, I have to be in the hospital for a couple of days. It's not, oh, well, well. it's not serious, but it's interfering with my scheduling. So well, I hope it all goes well. Eh, it'll be fine. Yeah. It, so it'll I... be fine. And I really don't want to cause any alarm, but then I also don't want to stand you up on the 16th. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to take but a any short time that you have to go to We're going to take a short break and then we're going to talk elections. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Farner and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue Armchair Politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. And uh, in addition to being Star Wars Day yesterday, it was uh, an election, a special election uh, here in uh, Genesee County where we're based. And uh, any surprises in the uh, outcomes in yesterday's special election? Um, I can't say I saw any surprises. There was that one out in the county in uh, Gaines where they turned down the uh, police millage and they may have to disband their police department. Well, yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago because uh, they had uh, laid off all but the part-time chief. Yeah, and and, and said that and the, they, the, the, I was going to say the vote wasn't even close. It was about a. I've got the numbers in front of me here. Um, Which one was it, Paul? Gaines. This is out Gaines. in out Gaines Township, a police protection millage, uh, and it went down sixty-seven to thirty-two percent. Wow. Um, well, so it was. I say wasn't even close. Remember, we we speculated uh, about the possibility that the uh, layoff of the uh, the remaining officers, other than the chief, um, might have been a tactic to to get people to support this millage. Right. Maybe it was in anticipation of they were just not going to be having a police department. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we we had the same problem in Cryo and Thetford Township at one time, and that was a serious problem, but that was resolved, and then we were back to that same problem again. And, you know, I think people in general don't want to pay for this, and uh, we don't have the incident rate that supports the, uh, the kind of dollars that they wanted to spend, and that was always part of the discussion. For Gaines Township, you're specifically you're saying? No, in Bedford Township, we had that same problem. Oh, yeah, I recall the issue up there too. But yeah, uh, but as I, I was surprised by the margin. I mean, I, I knew it was a con- had contentious issue out there, but as I say, it wasn't even close, two to one defeat. And um, I well, they don't have. Uh, that means they don't have much crime. Yeah, well, of course, they, they, yeah, I, yeah. I presume they can always rely on the state police to do it to do. What policing needs to be done out there, I suppose. And they may contract with the uh, with the county yeah. as well. That's right. That's right too. Yeah. That's um, not a part of this where you'd think they were into defunding the police, right? But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's not the place you would expect that defunding kind of thing. That's an interesting but, comment. No, apparently, yeah. uh, apparently, uh, Gaines Township voters uh, don't want a police department, a local police department, and by a more narrow margin, they don't want mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> that's, that's true. They they <laughs> did they did uh, narrowly pass the uh, the township uh, mosquito control assessment, um, but it it sounds like they didn't want police more than they didn't want mosquitoes. That's right. <laughs> They're more in favor of mosquitoes than police, which is kind of. A, I got it on Gaines Township. <laughs> it's really too early to jump to conclusions. We've got to make sure that that is not a trend. That's an incident. Uh, we've got to make sh- see what other districts, surrounding districts, do. That's you know, it's interesting. interesting. That, that, I'm interested that, 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 because I see it was a 33 percent 
voter turnout out there. I was going to say that's one of the larger turnouts in the county. I know. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Flint, but uh, that's three. You know, it's something when thirty-two percent looks like a big turnout. Yeah. You know, typically these special elections have single-digit turnouts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Flint, it was. They have city about six percent. Yeah, city percent has small turnout, but it has a big impact on the community. It decides for all of the other seventy-three percent. And I was a little surprised by the uh, Birch Run schools operating. I was just looking at that. Now, what? Explain that to me. Why does that look the way it does? Okay, because most of Birch Run is in Saginaw County. Yeah, I, I saw that last night too. Yeah. I said, "What in the world? They only have what?" Uh, twenty-three ballots. Three votes. Twenty-three ballots. There must be a little, a little chunk of Birch Run probably lobs yeah. over into Genesee County, and then I looked at the Channel Twelve totals, and they were dramatically larger. So my guess is it's the school district is primarily. Yeah, we're just looking at the Genesee County yeah. numbers. Yeah, so it's just yeah. a little, little uh, bump in the school district comes into Genesee County. So yeah, I, I was surprised when I saw that last night as well. We have some school districts in Genesee County that also have schools in other counties, like yeah. Pascola County. Clio has, you know, kids. Yeah, come, uh, yeah I, I think that the overall numbers for the Birch Run were somewhere around 1,200 votes, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark. So, But just a very small handful were in Genesee County. Well... So, do you yeah. want to? Are we talking about let's Flint do, next? Let's, let's do Genesee County first, because there were only two ballot issues that were county wide: the right, nine okay. eleven surcharge, which mm -hmm. passed uh, by sixty-one to thirty-nine percent, right? And the uh, Genesee Health Systems Community Health Millage, which uh, passed by about fifty-five to forty-five. Right. right. That yeah, was well, close. That was interesting. That was the only new millage we had was the health care thing. So that was a that was a new one, and those are always a little tougher to push forward, but still it, it got through. And, and, and countywide, we had, had a little over a 12% turnout, about 12.5%, 12 12.6% 12 uh, 12 turnout. So... But then that was twice the turnout of City of Flint. City of Flint was about half that. I know, un unbelievable. I yeah. There wasn't, you know. I don't know. I always, I'm always, I always feel very judgmental about Flint's voter turnout. It's like, I, I, I always say, you know, everybody made such a big issue in the water crisis days about we had an emergency manager, we had our democracy ripped away from us, and then when it comes time to practice your democracy. Nobody, Nobody shows, shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went to a couple of polling places yesterday and, uh, uh, and took a few pictures. At Mott, there was a, a stream, there, I wouldn't say a stream, but there was a, a smattering of people going in while I was there. But at the Flint City Hall, I was there for a little while, and I didn't see anybody going in to vote in the time I was walking around City Hall. So that uh, it reflected its... Uh, that's that's again as as, as Tom said it, for these these May elections you have very low turnouts because there's not much on the ballot and voters. But if you look at what was on the ballot, these are essential services. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, 
Uh, I don't know. I just I feel judgmental about it. I you know I could say speaking as a person involved with East Village Magazine, I feel like local. This is one of those cases where local news is so important um, for people to uh, you know. Some people are saying, well, I didn't even know about it, and I don't. And, um, I don't think um, you know. It's it's kind of interesting because these were huge victories on on both of the Flint. Uh, millage yeah. issues they were uh both in in many ways uh renewals the the flint city public transportation services millage was a renewal for sure and that was right. 80 82 to 18 and then right. um 82 to 18 on the uh flint city police and fire protection yeah. millage which i think was also a renewal but it was um not really talked about in advance and i wonder if that wasn't uh maybe a calculation because when this passed before if it's the same millage um we were under emergency manager at the time and we were promised more police officers and then the money was used to to uh replace a grant that yeah. expired right. And I, I heard that raised some discussions on that issue this time. And a lot of That's people true. were really bothered by that. And so I'm I'm surprised <clears throat> at how much support there was for the millage. And and it makes me wonder a couple things. One was there a strategy to not draw a lot of attention to this millage with hope yeah, that it would do better. And the other is, does it indicate that maybe trust in what's going to be done with this millage in the administration in the in the current police chief is improving that may be the case yeah because i mean what what can you what can you judge from six percent i mean what conclusions can you draw in that regard from six percent of the registered you had a winner that winner represented the 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 hundred percent you know well, they yeah. went by, you know, 6% of the people vote. They're voting for the the entire community. Right. And yeah, it was approved by a small majority of people. Now, I and like I say, for, for these, these May elections, 6% is unfortunately fairly typical. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can find a few that are a little higher and some that are a little lower. I, I can recall one election where we had a 2% turnout where there was like one single issue on the ballot. So <clears throat> it's not unheard of, that it's, uh, unfortunately, to have these extremely low turnouts for these kind of elections. And, and to Flint's credit, despite of the water issues and all of those other things that are wrong with Flint's police department had a good image, and the sheriff's department has a good image. And so uh, that could improve the receptivity of the vote for the marriage. So, Tom, are you saying that the fact that people didn't bother to vote on it indicates that they think everything's okay and they don't have to vote? Is that no. what you're getting at? No, no. What I was getting at is this this large margin of victory might be a hint that people trust the people yeah. that are in charge now to do what they say they're going to do with the money. And that was the intent of my comment, to... Yeah. Uh, no, it's just and and Jan mm -hmm. makes a good point. It's a small sampling. I mean, six percent, yeah, a, a little shy of five thousand ballots cast. Um, it, it is a small sampling, but it's 
Um, but can we draw any conclusions from it? Or are the 5,000 people who went out to vote or, or cast their absentee ballots um, in favor of this, the people that are the people that are more likely to turn out in a low turnout election like this? Motivated people that are trying to be informed. Uh, and and are they people that are likely to be supportive of this kind of a millage? And maybe the, the ones who turn out are those who have a stake in the issue. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of school districts will plan an election where there's a low turnout on the assumption that their people will turn out and vote yes, and the antis right. will stay home. So I mean, I, I can recall one election at Mott. We tried that. And then failed, frankly. We planned an election <laughs> yeah. for some bond issue in the middle of October and uh, on the assumption that, well, all the supporters would turn out and nobody else would, would turn out. And it worked out exactly the reverse. So you can outsmart yourself sometimes with these kind of things. Do you remember when uh, school districts were able to levy issues on villages? Remember that? <clears throat> Boy, you, you turned out. Everybody in town was there. And yeah. they were, uh, yeah, but all you had to we do all was... believe public education. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, and uh, well, a millage. Some people don't want the millage. They don't, they don't have kids, and they don't think schools are doing exactly what they should be doing to earn the millage and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. they fought against the millage. So you had a really diverse group out there. But that was really setting the tone, and whoever won set the tone for the next four years. Yeah, yeah. So small, and my point is, no matter whether it's uh, by 6% or 50% or 70%, the people who turn out set the tone for yeah. the next, for the tenure over the next cycle. Well, Henry, well, Henry mentioned the uh, Flint water crisis parenthetically, and uh, that's that's an issue in, in Flint that <laughs> never seems to go away. Uh, first, Flint residents were exposed to toxic lead. Now there are concerns many could be exposed to harmful radiation through bone <laughs> scans as they seek to document their exposure to lead and secure their shares of the $641 million settlement of civil lawsuits arising from the Flint water catastrophe. Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, the Flint pediatrician, uh, pediatrician who helped expose the 2014 lead poisoning of the city's drinking water supply, is among those raising concerns about the use in Flint through arrangements made by plaintiff attorneys of a portable bone scanner that its manufacturer says is not designed for use on humans. Attorneys have insist, insisted in court filings the equipment is safe and is being used only after approved modification protocols established by medical experts at Harvard University and New York University. They say the equipment produces less radiation than is given off by a dental x-ray or one used to detect a broken bone, but Hannah Atisha, professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine in Flint, whose analysis of Flint blood testing help to expose the Flint water crisis does not recommend bone scans for children. She says the risk, even if low, comes without benefits. And she described as maddening news, as maddening news that the scanner was used over the weekend on a pregnant woman. Mm. Shouldn't post-water crisis initiatives like this testing be above reproach? I think Absolutely. So. That's it, yeah. Uh, we, should get, 
the issue is trust again. Yeah, uh, you know, and in this country, we don't have an authority anymore. Anything should start from a source of authority. Somebody has the right to speak to this issue, to give folks a direction and some degree of trust in what we should aspire to. We don't have that anymore. But I, I know that the Board of Health for years when I was young was the entity that set standards and drove them. But now everybody drives them. Not everybody, but there are a lot more voices mm-hmm. in the I'm thinking about Tom Cotton's comments uh, the other day about, well, you don't, nobody, tra- you know, forget the CDC. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, <laughs> um, from the top down in the country, there's been a massive sort of breakdown of who are the experts or respecting the experts. And, you know, it's complicated. It's like, are they right? You know, is Tom Cotton right? Under the, under the Trump administration, the CDC was a mess. And uh, now they're trying to right those wrongs, I guess, but, you know. Yeah, but it's uh, still confusing when the CDC says people who are vaccinated can travel now, but probably ought to wear the masks anyway. I know. Mm -hmm. It's it's, to feel like, as I said before, (laughs) even the interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah. What they're dealing with, and it's uh, well. The, the, the science has been confusing. I mean, we we were learning about this virus all the way along. We were learning new things all the time. So it, it, that's the nature of science. It's, it can be confusing as you learn new things. So I understand it up to a point. I was surprised to learn, by the way, that <clears throat> the CDC's director apparently has been a political appointment since the Reagan years. And before that time, it was not. I did not realize that change had taken place. Somewhere I'd seen the coverage this past week on that issue. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, my concern is that uh, <clears throat> we should have a single authority, and nothing has impacted trust more than politics. Uh, because for every argument, there's an equal and counter-argument. Well, and everything that you bring up, Look at well, all the not problems. all the counter-arguments are equal. I think that's yeah. a, a little bit of a dangerous but I balance. Think, when you I, say I the Republicans take this side, the Democrats take that side, well, not everybody is right. But remember you know, all the problems is, we had right. with, the, with, the, uh, uh, with trust issues going on because of the Flint water crisis, and, and what it boiled down to was there were elected officials and agency heads that that didn't know or didn't care and it it just they were giving out bogus information and right. and those yeah, were the it, agencies it, that were supposed to be able to rely on and right. and that that trust was broken in flint you know in a in a very profound way but that same Absolutely. sort of thing is happening all over the country and it it's caused and we certainly saw it during the flint water crisis um elected officials that could have oversight not not just elected officials but agency officials and the professionals in these various agencies that were reluctant to get involved for fear that it would be a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah. do you guys remember the time uh, we've seen this at least a lot during our lifetime where professionals will join a cause if money is involved in it? Remember the times that used to be 
that even doctors, the preferred cigarette for doctors, with yeah, a camel know, yeah. or, right. or a Chesterfield or a Lucky or whatever it is, because they violated that. And somehow, uh, this is nothing new, but somehow it should be weeded out if possible. And we're dealing with the same kind of a problem today. It's not new, but I don't know how you weed it out. But when people but, sacrifice their integrity for money, that's bad. The, the, the problem is, and, and we've seen this throughout the last century, where as you know, science learned more stuff, it changed. There was a time when, uh, you know, when you could buy heroin over the counter in drugstores. Mm-hmm. And there were people recommending that it was, you know, <clears throat> euphoric and, you know, good for whatever ails you. And and then as they, they learned about the addiction and the, the problems with it, you know, they started changing their tune over time. But definitively, something happened in the last three decades, four decades maybe, where now even armed with the newest information, people are reluctant to stand by it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's really disturbing in a lot of ways. I it's confusing. It's like people want answers and 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 also people less and less understand what science does and uh I don't know. I and and then if you get lied to a number of times, I mean the whole uh, Henry, pardon me for bringing this up, but like, what does the truth mean anymore? Uh, when we're continuing to be assaulted by, you know, the, uh, something that well, isn't true, being somebody telling us strongly that it is true, and it, you know, um, I, I, I can understand why every, why everybody's confused. Like, you want answers, but there are only certain segments of the community that's confused. There's some of us who think about these things through logic and through uh, examination from research and stuff like that. We don't run to every right. uh, tone of the fork. And, and uh, I think social media and, makes it easier to pass around, you know, the craziest kind yeah. of conspiracy theories that anybody can dream up in a way that you quite couldn't, you couldn't quite do it in decades past. Yeah, and how do you determine whether something is true or not? You know, um, a lot of people don't have expertise to even know that how would i determine that this is true so i, you kind I of go by whether ex- or not it's uh, printed on a t-shirt yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no i'm kidding about that and we have to take a short break but we're going to move to uh lansing and see if things are any better there <laughs> after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in if you're listening to us on 92.1 WFOV, our voices radio in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And as I mentioned, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And then uh, we'll return with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more right after this.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, oh. hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now.
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back. We continue now with Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth-Nelson. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be here. Hi, welcome back. Thank oh, you. A leader of the Michigan Republican Party shared an inaccurate message on social media early Tuesday that suggested masks do not help keep people safe and employees should sue their bosses at workplaces where masks are required. The retweet from Michigan GOP co-chair Michonne Matta comes as Michigan remains one of the worst COVID-19 hotspots in the country amid some Republican skepticism about masks, vaccines, and other mitigation efforts. On Tuesday morning, Maddox shared a tweet that stated masks are ineffective, harmful physically and mentally, and never intended for general population use. The message also stated people need to start bringing legal action against employers. Is skepticism about masks, vaccines, and other mitigation efforts uniquely Republican? And how does Maddox's comments and tweets help the GOP? You know, may I say something here? Yeah, please. Uh, now, you've got to remember that this is a single person speaking. This person does not speak for the great body of Republicans. Who, but, who if you haven't done any research... You may not know that they don't have the same idea that Democrats have. But when you highlight just what somebody says that's you new and unique, and uh, although this person has a right to say that, but he, he, he condemns everybody else that's Republican. You know, you got to be careful. The science doesn't prove that. Because we don't know. We well, don't know I'm, what trying not, to, I'm trying but, but you not know, to uh, do that in, in raising a question I know. about it. I know. You're fact, doing the right thing. The, and the You're fact that the person has it, a, uh, you know, a leadership role in the GOP. And that's why I asked specifically, Henry, if, you know, because I don't think skepticism about masks and vaccines is uniquely Republican. But I am concerned about somebody in a leadership role with the GOP, how that <laughs> impacts the GOP if they say things that, you know, we look into and find to be patently false. Well, you know, you've never gone into a place where everybody in the store is wearing, um, doesn't use a mask when it's asked for. And many yeah. of those are Republicans. They say that 40%. It's got to be Republicans in the store at any one time. But isn't it strange that that for the first time, I mean, this this kind of an issue really shouldn't be a partisan issue. But clearly, if you take a look at mask wearing, at accepting vaccines, the reaction to some shutdowns and limitations, it really has followed very much partisan lines. And I don't recall in any other situation with the polio vaccine or, you know, a the flu vaccine or anything else we've had before, where it's where it followed partisan lines, but here for so some odd reason, I'm not sure I know the whole reason, that so much of the reaction to the uh, the COVID issue has run along partisan lines, and and so many polls showed that the divisions about, as I say, the, the 
taking a vaccine, wearing masks, being willing to shut things down, or a lot of other reactions have been very much Democrats on one side, Republicans on the other. But when I go to Republican functions, uh, there are people with masks and there are people without masks. And, you know, it's, uh, they may be in the minority side, not by race, but by content. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, they don't seem to have a, a problem mixing like that. They, they have their own views of things. That's how the Republican Party is. It's, it's mixed in diversity and views. Everybody doesn't agree with everybody else. So, um, and, and that's good. Because some of us will survive at all costs. <laughs> yeah. As I say, this, this, it's just a strange reaction to the whole COVID pandemic that really ought to be one of those issues that easily could have reunited both parties yeah. logically, but it just never worked out that way. And, and as I say, I don't recall anything similar with others, uh, you know, I say the polio vaccine or the reaction to the annual flu vaccine or the various other things, health issues that have been out there, didn't seem to break down along partisan lines. And I'm not quite sure why. I'm tempted to point to Donald Trump because of his reaction to the COVID issue, but maybe it's more than that, too, I suspect. But I, I but I wonder, and and I think um, Henry was kind of referring to this a little bit, that there is a split within the Republican Party, and I, yeah, I I think there's there's a bit of a problem when we associate some of the people that may be somewhat renegades within the Republican Party, but we think of them as Republicans and we paint the whole party with their thoughts and actions. Yeah, yeah you can't condemn you can't condemn the, the whole population by what a segment of people do or what an individual does because that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Any more than Republicans can cite Democrats for being Democrats just because of a single issue. Or um, that's that's wrong. We can't do that. We don't find that as in our, through our experiences within our communities. We just don't find it. We find diverse views. There's nothing wrong with diverse views, guys. It's not that they, the people who don't, Trump the, uh, don't uh, follow the Trump uh, policy on uh, masks and stuff like that. That doesn't mean that they're going to go out and fight each other because they aren't. They're going to live civilly with the, under in, uh, the same umbrella, and that ought to be good. We ought to be part of the American way. We ought to be tooting that. And I'm sure you find the same kind of practices under the Democratic uh, rule of... Yeah, I, I think, Henry, the slogan I've always heard is that I, 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 will assume, I, I won't assume that every Republican is a, is a uh, Klansman or a Nazi, and you shouldn't assume all Democrats are communists or Bolsheviks. So, I mean, we yeah. do tend to take, you're exactly right, we tend to take the, yeah, we the heard our, our views of each party. Yeah, We heard our views, and we, not only that, we mislead kids. Yeah. We make kids become the, in the next generation, they become these practices that we see right now. And the country won't get any better, not with what they're seeing now. 
Well, let me see if I can squeeze one more in before the uh, top of the hour break. Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan should be certified for the August primary ballot because confusion over his campaign finance reports has been cleared up, City Clerk Janice Winfrey said Wednesday. In a brief interview, Winfrey said it's very clear the mayor's name should be on the ballot because Wayne County Clerk Kathy Garrett issued a statement Tuesday night declaring Duggan's campaign finance reports are in compliance. The agreement between city and county officials that Duggan's campaign finance reports are in order appears to nullify an attempt earlier in the week uh, from mayoral challenger Anthony Adams to derail Duggan's re-election effort by throwing him off the August primary ballot. Duggan's campaign was uh, grateful that campaign finance officials clarified the mix-up. Should these corrections impact Mayor Duggan's uh, certification? Hmm. Well, that depends on whether they're valid. You know, you got to go through and validate everything and make sure if you can find a process to do that fairly and justly. But if something is not right, you know, we should not accept it. Did, didn't Duggan win the first time with a write-in campaign with someone similar yes, he circumstances? Did. Yeah, that's right. He won. And he's probably going to win this one as well. Yeah. I, I, when I heard the story, I was thinking, I thought only Flint did stuff like that, where we spend no. more time kicking people off the ballot than voting them on the ballot. I think so the people ma- in Detroit generally likes Duggan. It seems to be the case, yeah. yeah. I can't tell whether they're Democrats or Republicans, but they tend to like them. Yeah. But as I say, I, Flint's got this habit of doing these things where we end up squabbling in court about who can be on the ballot as much as we do actually running campaigns. Oh, yes, yes. Well, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things is I, I, I just am concerned about, you know, can, if, if a complaint is made and then the, the issue is corrected, um, does missing the timeline still count? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a statutory concern. <coughs> Statutes are always extremely, uh, very, very... And I'm sure I'm sure Duggan's opponent will raise the issue, but I'm not sure it's going to matter much. It's kind of an inside baseball thing, and I'm not sure for the average voter it's likely to be a big issue in, in the long run, as my guess at least. But I think he was referring to the time chain. If you if you missed that yeah, yeah. window, and that is, it seems to be wherever statutes are involved, the judgment follows the statute. Is Jan still with us? Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to leave for just a minute. I'm sorry. I'm back now. Okay. <laughs> it it just got a little quiet in your corner. Yes, I, we did. I was, I was a little concerned that we may have lost you on the line. But uh, everybody uh, holds your positions. We uh, have to break here for the uh, top of the hour ID, and then we'll be back with the second half of Armchair Politics. Um and uh, any any final thoughts on the mayor uh, Duggan certification? Not not particularly. I say I'll just, it's just the, the fact that so often our elections end up being courtroom squabbles rather than election contests. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the, I mean, I made the wise crack that we do that in Flint a lot. And 
was a surprise to see Detroit picking up on that on the theme. Well, we're we're pretty close by. Um, anyway, yeah. we are going to take a uh, short break for top of the hour ID, and when we return, it'll be the second half of today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 